Uh, let me ask you, uh, by show of hands, how many of you have one or more Christmas traditions, maybe as a family? Raise your hand. Okay, is that, that mo most of us, right? Most of you have Christmas traditions. The Delphs family has a few traditions for sure. One of the things that we like to do most years, that you, for when the kids were younger, we did every year, is we participated and celebrated Advent. Now, before we did Advent, leading up to that, we would all gather on the couch. We'd all pull out our individual booklets that we had with a whole bunch of songs, uh, Christmas songs. And then we would choose to sing Christmas songs together as a family. The problem with this tradition is the Delphs can't sing. I suppose one or two of them are okay, but the rest of us, it's really bad. I mean, it's terrible. And, and the problem is this, is that we do this, it's a tradition, so we continue to do it, but I suppose if we were to take a vote and Heather wasn't involved in the vote, she would lose four to one of us singing these songs, but it's a tradition. We love Heather, and we love doing it, and so we keep just making a joyful noise to the Lord. It's a tradition for us. Hey, another Christmas tradition. How many of you do your shopping for Christmas well in advance? Raise your hands. Okay, so the, the hands that are up, the rest of you, how many of you hate them? Right? I mean, my, my grandpa used to do his shopping in September and October for Christmas, and he was just done and ready and prepared. All right, another uh, tr Christmas tradition. How many of you open one or more presents on Christmas Eve? Raise your hand. Okay, a whole bunch of you. All right, what about how many of you are Christmas purists and you only open Christmas morning, right? Raise your hand. Really, that's it? Let me see. I, I need to see hands. This is like participation time. Okay, wow, that's, uh, okay. If you open on Christmas morning, raise your hand. All right, see, so a bunch of you. Now, some of you, I'm curious, when you do the opening and the unwrapping of presents, another Christmas tradition, how does your family work? Raise your hand if you open up where everybody kind of at the same time opens a present. Anybody do that? Where everybody opens. Okay, how many of you do one person at a time and everybody's eyes are on that person? Okay, that's, that's most people, and some of you, because of the way you do your tradition, you're opening up till December 26th, right? I mean, it's just like it doesn't seem to end. We also like to go looking at Christmas lights after Christmas Eve services as a family, and uh, it's a great tradition we do, but the problem is I've done a lot of services, and so my Christmas tradition is when we go on the Christmas tradition of looking at Christmas lights around the neighborhood, I sleep in the back of the car as they try to keep me awake for the tradition. Well, it's tradition for all of us to sing Christmas songs and Christmas carols throughout the se season. And one of the many songs that we all sing is, What Child Is This? Just raise your hand if you're familiar with the song to some degree. What child is this? Okay, so a lot of us, most of us, we have familiarity with the song. And within the lyrics of this song are the answers to that question, What Child Is This? And those answers are consistent with what we find in the Word of God. For those of you who are guests tonight, you're visiting, maybe somebody invited you, we're so thrilled to have you here with us. We've been in this series uh, this last month called Everything I Needed to Know, I Learned at Christmas. 
And the Christmas song, What Child Is This?, perfectly wraps up this series, puts it kind of in a bow, and it lets us know what is important to our faith and what is important to our lives this Christmas season. Now, what child is this? I want you to think about that for a question for a moment. That's what we're going to be thinking about this afternoon. What child is this? Think about it. Here we are some 2,000 years later, and millions upon millions upon millions of people celebrate this child, this Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God, and they follow him, and they believe that he has changed and transformed their lives. That's who he is. He's a world changer. He's a life changer. What child is this? Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 2 that God gave this child the name that is above all names. Now, what I find interesting is that this name that has changed millions upon millions of lives, it's interesting, isn't it, that his name is so controversial? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, here, his name, you could talk about God. You can get in a conversation with somebody, talk about God all day long, and it's okay, right? You can talk about spirituality all day long, and and it's okay to do that, right? As soon as you bring up the name Jesus in that conversation, what happens? It gets controversial, doesn't it? Especially if you bring up where Jesus said in John chapter 14 that he's the only way to God. You bring that up in a conversation and all of a sudden the the controversy just, just scales up to epic proportions. What child is this? His name is something special. So special, in fact, that his name and his life resulted in us doing something with time. What did we do with time? We split time based on his life. We have before Christ or BC, and now it's 2018 AD, after Christ, or it's the year of our Lord, 2018. I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, that's a mind-boggling thought. I mean, it's not 1542 AR after Rome. It's not 2062 AJC after Julius Caesar or 791 AG after Genghis Khan. No, it's 2018 AD after Jesus Christ. What child is this? Who is this child? To dive in this a little bit further, I'd like to teach you two words, and I wanted to learn these together. First is a Hebrew word, the second is a Greek word. The first Hebrew word is the word hene, hene. I want to say that out loud together, one, two, three, hene, very good, hene. Second word is a Greek word, and it's the Greek word I do, I do. Let's say it together, I do. do. Who takes this woman to be married to this man? There you go, right? The easy way to remember. Hene, I do. Hene, I do. It's the same word in two different languages. And the English translation of hene, I do, Hebrew or Greek, hene, I do, the English translation that you might see in your Bibles or our, our Bibles is the word low, the word see, or the word watch, or specifically to what we're talking about this, e- this afternoon, the word behold. 
The reality is that anytime you see hene or I do or e do, depending on how you want to pronounce it, anytime you see that in scripture, get ready. Because something is coming. Something is going to be announced. Behold, something is coming that is life-changing. There's a statement that's going to be made that, that has life-transforming implications. Behold. In our modern-day language, it would be like saying, hey, listen up, pay attention. This is going to be incredible. This is going to be amazing. Behold, hene I do. And what we see in Scripture is that immediately following the Greek or Hebrew word, hene or I do, there are statements about Jesus, this Christ child. And these statements are life-transforming and life-changing for every single one of us if we will open our hearts to the message. Behold, hene, I do. So, first behold statement that we see is behold Jesus the baby. Behold Jesus the baby. You can turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 7. Or you could also go, if you wanted to, under your phones to the YouVersion Bible app. And if you wanted to follow along with us there, you could. And in Isaiah chapter 7, we are going to read about something that, that is stated or prophesied 700 years before the birth of this person or before Jesus. Isaiah chapter 7, the Lord himself will give you a sign. What's the next word? The next word is hene. And what is it in our translation? Let's say it together. What's the next word? Behold. Behold. In other words, check this out. Pay attention. Everybody listen up. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. What does that mean? What does Emmanuel mean? It means God with us. The listeners of this message, they would have been absolutely blown away. Are you kidding? Our Savior is coming? And the way he's going to get here is by being born of a virgin? Who would have guessed something like that? It was prophesied some 700 years before Jesus came. And then it actually happened. And the author was essentially saying, it is going to be a miracle. I mean, childbirth itself is a miracle, right? Wouldn't you, those of us with kids, and I mean, I, we have three of them, right? And I've watched that thing go down three times, literally and figuratively. I mean, it, it's a miracle. Childbirth is a miracle. But this miracle in particular, this particular childbirth had a miracle because it involved God doing something special. And a teenage girl who had never been with a man, she was a virgin. She was visited by an angel. And the angel shows up to her 700 years after this prophecy and looks at her and says, you're the one. You're the one that was talked about in Isaiah chapter 7, 700 years ago. And you will be with child How's that possible? Because the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. It is going to be a miracle. And the Bible talks about Mary, and it talks about how she believed the angel and what the angel said. And so in faith, Mary said in Luke chapter 1, may it be to me as you have said. 
So the Holy Spirit does a a miracle and Mary gives birth to the Christ child and she wraps him in swaddling cloths and she lays him in a manger. Behold, check this out, pay attention. The Christ child, Jesus, the baby, will be born. Now here's the point. Here's why this is helpful. Here's why this is relevant to you and I this afternoon. When God declares something, he will follow through with his promise. When God makes a statement, when God says he will do something, he will follow through with it. He said something would happen, 700 years later it happened. God is a promise keeper. See, what do you and I learn through the Christmas story? Is that God follows through with his promises and that God will follow through with you, that you can trust him. You can trust him with your life. Next statement. What child is this? Behold, Jesus, the Lamb of God. John the Baptist in John chapter 1, you can turn there. We're going to look at a couple passages in John. In John chapter 1, he he makes this bold declaration. And it says in verse 29 that he, meaning John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming to him and said, and he's going to say the Greek word, I do or e do, and what he, he saw Jesus coming to him and said, what's the word? Behold, you're not going to believe this. Pay attention. Behold, but there he is. That's the one that God talked about. That's the one that I've been telling you about. I do. Behold. And what are you to behold? The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, you and I just kind of read that and we say, okay, makes sense. I mean, We've heard that many times. When they heard this for the first time, his audience knew Lamb of God language. His audience understood that, but John is going to talk about it in a way that kind of rocked their worlds. They knew Lamb of God language because they lived during a time where there was a sacrificial system, and that sacrificial system involved lambs. And it involved lambs, and they got, it got started because a long time prior to that, something occurred that they eventually called Passover. Passover was and still is something that Jewish people celebrate every year. It recalled the time when God delivered his people from the bondage of slavery in Egypt. Some of you may know, might know the story. Maybe a lot of you know the story. God had done a series of miracles or, or plagues. And none of them got Pharaoh's attention enough to let God's people go and and leave the bondage of slavery and head to the promised land. So God took one more step. He sent a death angel over the land. And God told the Hebrew people that the death angel would pass over any home in which the blood of the lamb was spread over the doorpost of the home. The blood was to be put on the doorpost and on its sides so that those homes that were, you know, covered in the blood of the lamb, they were spared by the death angel. And so John says, behold, I do. Check it out. There he is. And here was the, the key. He didn't say there he is, a lamb. Notice what he says. What, what word does he use? The lamb. The lamb who takes away the sins of the world. John was foretelling Jesus' death on a cross and his blood 
the blood of the lamb, an innocent lamb, would be poured out so that the death angel would, in a sense, in a sense pass us by. Why is this helpful to us? This Christmas season, what do you and I need to know from this, from this behold? Well, we need to know that we don't have to die in our sins, that we can live. See, once we die physically on this earth, the Bible talks about that we will all face judgment. And if you have received Jesus as your Savior, if you have received Jesus as your Lamb of God, then his shed blood will cover you and spare you or I from God's judgment, which would, of course, be eternal death. But instead, his blood would cover us and we can have eternal life. Behold, Jesus the baby, the Christ child who reminds us that God's promises, they will come true. You can trust him. Behold, Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Next behold statement. Behold, check this out. Pay attention. Behold, Jesus the man. You can move forward to John chapter 19. John chapter 19, and it's near the end of Jesus' life. And in John chapter 19, verse 5, Jesus is in front of Pontius Pilate. And in verse 5, it says this, that Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said to them, let's say this word together, Pilate said to them, Behold, I do. Behold, and notice what it says next, the man. Jesus was God in human form. He was God in the flesh, but he was no ordinary man. This man was so full of God that the New Testament writers talked about how he was full of compassion. And that word compassion means to ache from within the deepest parts, to ache from deep within ourselves. And so when Jesus saw people, the Bible talked about how he would just ache from within He had compassion towards the people. He would look at people like the lepers who were considered outsiders. Lepers were people you could not touch. They were unclean. And Jesus would just ache from within. Jesus, the man, would ache from within. And he would go up to those lepers and he would touch them. Jesus would see eyes that were blind. And he had compassion upon them, and he would go up to them. He would touch their eyes, and they would see, and they would be healed. Jesus would see people and ache from within because these people were considered outsiders. They were considered, they were given a label. There were people that were given the title or the label of, quote, sinners by the religious people and by others. An entire group of people, a category of people called sinners. And Jesus just ached from within. He had compassion towards them. And Jesus, the man, he would go and spend time with them. He would care for them. He'd visit them in their homes. He, the Bible even tells us he was a friend of sinners. Behold, Jesus, the man, who was also obedient to death, even on a cross. 
That process included Jesus the man being beaten by Roman soldiers. That process included Jesus the man being beaten or whipped dozens and dozens of times upon his back, so much so that his back was torn to shreds, so much so that the Bible talked about how he was unrecognizable. And yet the Bible tells us it prophesied in Isaiah 53, and later Peter mentioned, referred back to that in 1 Peter 2, that by his stripes or by that, those whippings, you and I are healed. Then after the whippings, Jesus, the man, was nailed to a cross with nails pounded through his wrist, pounded through his feet. And while hanging on a cross, the people mocked him. And as the people mocked him, Jesus looked up to his Father in heaven And he had an option, and he could have called to his Father of heaven and could have asked him to set down a legion of angels to destroy everybody. Look, they put him on a cross. He had done nothing wrong. But what did Jesus do? Jesus ached with compassion. So he looked up to his Father in heaven, and you might know this. He said, Father what? Father, forgive them. That's Jesus, the man. The song, What Child Is This, says it in its lyrics. The cross be born for me, for you. Jesus the man did that for us. Now why is that so helpful for us today? Why is that a message for us when we think about what child is this? Why is it helpful that God was a man? You know what it means? It means he knows what you and I are going through. He knows what it feels like to be you. He's understanding and sympathetic to what we are dealing with. In Hebrews chapter 4, it tells us that he's able to sympathize with us. It tells us because he's able to sympathize with us, he's actually able to help us in our time of need. Have you ever felt alone? Have you ever felt a sense of despair? A sense like no one understands? Jesus does. Some of you might be feeling that aloneness even right now, surrounded by people. But the Christmas season is hard for you. It's difficult for you. You feel alone. Jesus knows how you feel. All his followers abandoned him. He was despised. He was rejected. He was hung on a cross. So what child is this? He's somebody you can turn to. Don't you like it to be able to share with somebody who knows what you're going through? It's easier to go to that type of person than someone who's never been what you've been through. Jesus can relate to you. He can help you. Behold, pay attention. Jesus, the Christ child, Behold, Jesus, the Lamb of God, who was slain for the sins of the world. Behold, Jesus, the man who endured the pain and the rejection of the cross for you and I. He knows what we're going through. We don't want to leave it there with Jesus, the man. We take it one step further. And another, another important, hine I do. Another important, behold, you need to hear this. You need to pay attention. Check this out. What child is this? Behold, he is Jesus, the soon returning king. Listen to what he said in Revelation chapter 22. He said this. And what's the word? What did he say? 
behold, I do. Check this out. I hope you're paying attention. He said this. He said, behold, I am coming when? I am coming soon. And when I come, I will reward everyone for what they've done. Listen, when Jesus was born 2,000 years ago, he came as a servant, the Bible talks about. He was full of compassion. He ached within. He had this grace and love and mercy towards us. But when he returns, he will no longer come as a servant. He will come as a conquering king. John prophesied of this, and and in Revelation chapter 19, describing Jesus' second coming, he said the armies of heaven were following him riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Verse 16, and on his robe, Jesus' robe, and on his thigh, he has his name written. He has his name written. And what is his name? It's King of Kings, and it's Lord of Lords. Behold, there is a soon coming king and he's going to implement his kingdom. Why is this helpful to you and I this afternoon? Because my hope is that this message, behold, message that we're sharing this afternoon culminating in Jesus, the soon returning king, my hope is that it gives you hope. What what am I talking about? Think about this with me for a moment. There are many, many prophecies uh, telling us about the the Christ child, the baby, Jesus, the, the infant, the baby. Many prophecies, and they were all fulfilled in Jesus. There were many prophecies given about the life of Jesus, and they were fulfilled in Jesus. There are many prophecies given about what would happen to this person, about the cross, about the crucifixion, about the resurrection, and all of those prophecies were fulfilled in Jesus' first coming. So, You and I can trust God to fulfill his word that the Christ child will return one day, not as a lowly infant, but as the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and we can trust that. Behold, Jesus was the baby in the manger. Jesus was the lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. He was the man, but he will return as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Do you believe that this evening? And finally, really a summary of it all. Why he came in the first place. He came as a child. He lived as a man to die on a cross. Why? Behold, what child is this? He's Jesus, our Savior. Which means Jesus wants to share his life with you. The song, what child is this, says it this way. The king of kings, salvation brings. In Jesus' own words, he says to every single one of us this afternoon in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. And let's say the word one more time together. What does he say? One, two, three, what does he say? Behold. Check it out. I want you to hear this. Don't miss this, Jesus says. Behold, I stand at the door and I'm knocking. And if you hear my voice, And if you let me in, I will come into your life. Behold, I'm here. I'm here. Behold, if you let me in, I will show you the unconditional love of God. 
Behold, if you let me in, I will show you and give you a peace that surpasses all of your understanding. That peace that you've been missing, that I've been missing. Behold, Jesus says, if you let me in, I will bring you a joy that is unspeakable. Behold, if you let me in, I will bring you a healing that you have never known. Behold, if you let me in, I'll come in. Man, and I will give you life to the fullest, a real and better life than you could ever have imagined. Abundant life that can only be found in me. Behold, I'm here. Are you listening? Are you paying attention? Behold, Jesus is standing at the door of your heart. And he's knocking and he wants to come in to your life. Who is this child? It's Christ the Lord. But will you allow him to come into your life and be your Lord? He is Christ the Lord. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. But is he the King and kings and Lord of lords of your life? As the old song goes, let every heart prepare him room. And if you would do that tonight, he will change your life today and your life for eternity.